It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the weekly potpourri edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Broering each and every week. We'll talk about sports topics of local interest, maybe a national topic or two. We've got a gambling segment usually, and my favorite part of the podcast where you can ask me a question on any topic, just go to Twitter, hit up the hashtag AskSkinnyAnything. Rick, you just had a birthday. What did you do for your birthday, and how old might we be? Uh, 35, unfortunately. It just keeps, that's how that works. The number just keeps getting higher and higher each year. It does, uh, it does. So what did you do? uh, What did we do? We went out, we just went out to dinner. Just the wife and I, and uh, it was good. Just a we had Chinese food. All right, there you go. That's a simple Chinese food dinner. That's all it took. Yep, yep, nothing nothing too special. All right, all right. Bengals closing in on the start of the preseason. I'm sure we'll talk about that much more, so you can take it away. Yeah, we got, we got a lot of topics to get to, actually, today, so we'll jump right in. Another week of Bengals training camp is in the books, as you mentioned. We have a few topics to get to there. We'll come back to them. I want to start with the big Bengals news of the week which was the announcement of the new title sponsor for the stadium, formerly known as Paul Brown Stadium. The Norwood-based company Paycor and the Bengals announced a 16-year deal to change the name to Paycor Stadium. Paycor is an HR and payroll management company, if you were wondering. What was your reaction to the Bengals' deal with Paycor to rename the stadium, Skinny? I, I think some people thought maybe they they jumped the gun on this and, and didn't maybe get the best deal possible, but I, I kind of think they did. I think they took bird in the hand. It's a local company. It sounds like a pretty good deal. Could they have tried to hold out for more? Maybe. Were there other bidders? Maybe. But I, I think you take the bird in the hand, and I, I think, you know, a couple of things. As you mentioned, it's 16 years. Um, that keeps them in Cincinnati, essentially, for the next 16-plus years, if not now longer. And it's going to give them the money to pay for Joe, Joe Burrow. I've, I've heard the joke, and I think it's a good joke. It should now be called Pay Joe Stadium instead of Pay Core Stadium, because that's really what it's going to be used for is to pay Joe Burrow, put that money into an escrow account to give him some guaranteed coin. Yeah, well, first of all, who are these people that were like thinking they know the ins and outs of the naming rights deal at Paul Brown right. Stadium, whether or not they could have done better? That's what cracks me up. It's like, are you serious? You have no idea who they were talking to, what the offers were that they were receiving. And you know that this thing was a long, drawn-out process. Like, they didn't just start with the announcement that it was going to happen or the leaked info that it was going to happen a a month or so ago. This has been a thing that's been in the works for a long, long time. So, I mean, no one spouting off or that's in the media or that are fans have any idea what those negotiations were like and whether or not they could have gotten a better deal. Uh, in, In terms of the money and all of that. I don't really care about that. I mean, I think it's a, an obvious move that you need to make, especially if you're the the franchise that I think Forbes just named the least valuable franchise in all of the NFL. Right. 32 out of 32. So that was a no-brainer decision. For me, it was more just like, please don't make it something stupid that sounds really dumb, like Crypto.com Arena or something like that. There's a lot of bad names that we've seen out there with recent sponsorship deals. And Paycor Stadium isn't a good name. It's not exciting or uh, or fun or anything, but it sounds okay. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't bother me. I don't think it sounds lame. Yeah, the only disappointment I have a little bit, and maybe this is cha- it will change, and maybe they have something else in the works. I don't know the answer to that, so I'm raising a question. I don't know the answer to. I, I do wish they had Paul Brown's name somewhere involved with that. I, I always thought that it was going to be. In this case, Paycor, Paycor Field at Paul Brown Stadium, and maybe now we have it be Paul Brown Field and his 
signature is on the field in, in kind of each corner of the, uh, you know, inside the 10 yard line where you see some naming things done. And I've also heard the, the thought of, of, of a statue of Paul Brown being floated. And I, I think that's a, f- a fine idea. I, I do think, listen, I, the man needs to be honored. There's no question about that. I think his name being on the stadium was, was important to his son. And obviously his son has relented knowing how important it is to have naming rights and the money that comes with it. But if I only had a tinge of disappointment is that Paul Brown's name is is not attached, and I think it should be in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, but that is the way you have to do that. It has to be Paul Brown Field at Paycor Stadium, which yeah. they could still, in theory, do. I don't right. know the ins and outs of the deal if if their contract with Paycor will eliminate that possibility. Yeah, and but- I would think I would think Paycor would be would be open to something like that. any company. I think that was going to take the name rights would be open to something like that. I, I've got a feeling because it's it, all it is is goodwill. It's not taking away from your your name on it. If it's Paycor Stadium, by golly, it's going to be called Paycor Stadium. You're going to get a lot of bang for your buck. We've, we've said Paycor Stadium now 25 times on this podcast. So it's going to get plenty of run as Paycor Stadium, which Paycor Stadium should probably be called Paycor Stadium. But I wish Paul Brown's name was incorporated somewhere. Yeah, but I, but that's the thing. You want your name on the building, right? So you can't just leave it as Paul Brown Stadium, say we're Paycor Field at Paul Brown Stadium. Because it's like, well, no, we want to have the giant billboard out front. Sure, on, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you, I'm fine with that part of it. Like yeah, I said, maybe, so, there is, maybe there is something in the works where we're going to have a Paul Brown Field unveiling at some point. The only concern is, I guess, if you if you do something like Paul Brown Field at Paycor Stadium, is that people just continue to call it Paul Brown Stadium because the name is still there. Yeah. and. I don't I don't know. I could see that side of it a little bit because, look, I'm sure they're spending a lot of money to get their name on these things. And they probably want it to be said a lot like we're doing right now. So uh, we'll, we'll see where it goes. But like I said, I mean, Pure Romance Stadium, I think, would have been kind of fun if we were keeping it with local companies. Um, I, I also like the idea of the Bengals going and stealing Heinz. From, oh, I did too. I thought that would I thought that would have been absolutely outstanding. Yeah, that would have been funny. But uh Pancor Stadium, I can live with. It's not the dumbest thing that I've heard. Yeah, so. and listen, if, if they get banged for their buck, who knows? Maybe you renegotiate it at some point for a higher wage. Maybe, you know, when you get to year 15, you start to have a lot of people in the bidding process. The Bengals have won three Super Bowls by then. Joe Burrow's about to retire, but the new Joe Burrow's coming in and somebody else may want to pay pay some big money. See, I, I it sounds like to me they got a good deal with a local company. And that that makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, and it's cool that they they went with a local company too. I think that makes a lot of sense. As far as training camp goes, Skinny, uh, I think we got to talk about Joe Burrow again. He was back at camp this week. He got off of his golf cart. He was moving around a little bit. Last time we talked about him, it seemed like you had some concerns or questions about, about his recovery process and what might be going on or what might not be going on there. Did, did seeing him up and moving around a little bit at training camp this week, help alleviate some of those concerns a little but It's funny after the podcast that we did, in which I voiced some of those concerns, his father went on a podcast with Bengals radio analyst, Dave Lapham in the trenches is the podcast and kind of confirmed some of those things in which he said it was kind of a major surgery and Lap asked him, did his appendix burst? And he said, I'm not going to confirm or deny that. That's not for me to answer. Which means um, it did. Right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. like he um, say no if it didn't. You know, he, he intimated in this podcast, I believe either dropped on Friday or Saturday. I, I know it was recorded on Friday. I'm assuming it dropped then as well, last Friday. Um, and he said at that point, I think his recovery is still a few weeks away. Well, we know what a, cu- a couple usually means what? In my mind, a couple's two, right? A few can be three to six. I mean, when I hear a few, it leaves it pretty vague. And when you start to get in that time frame of when he said it to when the Bengals open, I think it made you go, "Uh uh-oh. And so I do think a little bit of, of, and you're talking about Monday's practice for Joe. 
um, in which he did, he actually uh, kind of ran a play, if you will, in, a, in his own little uh, a quick, he did a quick walkthrough while they were doing some special team stuff and he flipped the pass to a team personnel member and it wasn't a long play, he just literally flipped it to him ne- next to him and uh, so technically I guess he threw a pass. I do wonder if a little bit of that was for show too, to, to show everybody, listen, my dad's wrong. In fact, I think that's how I wrote it of, he kind of refutes his dad's timeline a little bit here of a few weeks. And he did look good. I thought he looked even better on Wednesday when we saw him in the locker room. Um, I thought he had more, you know color back. I thought he was walking around better. You know, he's, he has, he did get carted out to practice yesterday. Um, and he was, it was an hour into practice. So he may not have even been planning to go out there and decide I want to go out there. They carted him out there, I think for speed sake, but he got right off the cart and was walking around standing for the rest of practice. So I do think he is improving, um, but I'm still curious of the timeline after the things his father said. And after one of the things I've seen, I, I, I do think Rick, I think we'll see him the week of the, the Rams practice getting some work in. And then I do think we will see him um, in, in all likelihood uh, then be able to, to, to practice for those two weeks leading up to the Steelers. I think you'll have enough time for him to get ready still. Yeah. And, for me, that's all that really matters. I don't care if he plays a single snap in training camp. I mean, obviously, he's not going to at this point, but I, I wouldn't have cared before any of this started with his appendix. I would have been fine with him not playing a single snap in training camp. Yes, it would be nice for him to be practicing right now, obviously, but mentally, I'm not concerned about his development or where he's at there. He clearly had plenty of control over this offense and knew what they were doing last season. And the good thing about this is it's not like it was reconstructive knee surgery like he went through last year it's not something like his shoulder or anything that's zapping him of his athleticism or his abilities it's something that once he's healed he's going to be fine it's not going to change him as a player at all so as long as he is back for the opener I just don't think it really matters that much you know it doesn't but it doesn't and it does you're absolutely right what you just said but he also looks noticeably thinner. He's not allowed to lift weights, which again, he, you know, he's got a routine of, of getting in the weight room. So he's going to have to do some of those things. And the question then is he going to have enough time to get himself back hundred percent physically. Fair. Um, yeah. But I also said, I'll take a 60% physically ready Joe Burrow over hundred percent Brandon Allen. And I like Brandon Allen personally, but again, I think anybody would take that too. Yeah. It's not even close. Uh, Lyle Collins was cleared to practice for the first time this week. I read that they're limiting him. How limited was he? And I, I mean, I, this is silly to say, maybe, but were there any other takeaways from seeing him on the field for the first time? Yeah, no, um, it, it's understandable. I mean, he wasn't going to play Friday. He's probably not even going to play in the preseason. I don't think you're going to see hardly any of these guys who are who are key guys playing the preseason. Uh, definitely not in the preseason opener. It sounds like moving forward, probably not a whole lot either. And, and uh, Zach Taylor has said this. Lyle Collins, we talked to him yesterday, said this. Frank Pollock said this, that they really don't need to see him in preseason games, but they do, and he does. Want to uh, want to be ready to take some 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 reps in practice, and so yesterday was was the last practice of the week, and so you know there was no way he was going to get involved in team situations there. So he did do individual drills, he did work with the first team offensive line. They did um, some on, off, offensive installation where it was eleven on eleven on zero, and he did play with the first team there. So he took some reps in that, but then when they went to the full eleven on elevens, I'm going to guess you won't even see him do that next week. I'm going to guess he'll just continue to kind of ease him, ease him. Um, they do have five practices next week, two Sunday, or Sunday, Monday, off Tuesday, then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, before they go up to New York and play. Um, I'm going to say that we probably don't see him till later in the week in team sessions. And even if it's not then, I wouldn't be alarmed. Then I go to the next week where you have the two practices with the Rams 
that sounds like a good time to start ramping things up. And then you've got the two weeks to get ready for Pittsburgh. I, I think he's on a good timeline. I, I think that was a nice first step yesterday with plenty of time to spare. I would have been more alarmed if we were talking about this uh, the week of the Rams that Lyle Collins has not been cleared yet. Oh, my gosh, when's it going to take place? This seemed to be a pretty good time frame. Yeah, I like how ginormous he looks in pictures. Huge. Yeah, He's, with you know, listen, I'm a small on. guy, right? And all these guys look huge to me, but there's occasionally that guy that everybody looks around at each other going, man, that is a mammoth individual. He he looks different. Uh, once he put the pads on and was standing next to those guys, you see a picture or two come out and it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. He's a massive human being, which is always nice when you spend a lot of money on a offensive tackle. You'd like for them to look like a mountain. And he does. Yeah, my, my, my fear a little bit with him is there is a little bit of an injury history. Yeah. Um, he has now gotten his money. Um, and and I, that, that always sounds like an indictment. I just fear that a little bit. Again, I think the good part was he did work hard to get back from this back situation. He's a big man, and I understand, you know, those guys can have back situations. Deontay Smith is dealing with a back issue right now, the offensive lineman. And so it certainly happens, and it happened in a weird way. It happened for him in a in a position drill. It didn't even happen in 11-on-11. So these guys are big guys carrying, you know, body weight sometimes in a weird way. So that can happen to them. Um, and I watched him work. I mean, he was out there. He wasn't out there every day. And they talked about sometimes his rehab stuff was inside. And there were some days we saw him rehabbing outside and it seemed like he worked hard to get back. Uh, one of the things I think the last quote he had to us yesterday, and I guess I could say this on a podcast, he said, you know, what, what, what is it you like being here? And he said, it's all about ball here. He goes, at this point in my career, shit, I just want to win. And and I think he meant that. I, I truly believe. I think he wants to be here because he has got thinks he's got a chance to get a Super Bowl ring. And he's away from a bit of a circus in Dallas where your owner's a knucklehead and, you know, Zeke's contract issue was a thing and, and Dak's contract situation was a thing. And here, none of that's really a thing. Yeah. Jesse Bates is a little bit of a thing, but it's out of sight, out of mind. Joe Burrow's situation is a little bit of a thing right now, but it's not a 67 ring circus. So I think he truly means that. And again, I think it was a good time. I was good to see him get back. It was earlier than what I thought. I didn't know there was never a timeline set, but it was a little earlier than I thought. So good for him. That's a great quote because you think about what he just came from, which is the most luxurious, opulent stadium with all the bells and whistles to it and all yep. of that, too. And he comes to the place that is notorious for being a little bit of bare bones in terms of the facilities. And it's it's getting better, I think. But still, the Bengals are behind the times in terms of locker rooms and all of that type of stuff compared to what else you'll see in the NFL and specifically in Dallas. So that that is kind of funny coming from him yeah no question about it uh i read in the enquire skinny that jamar chase had an unforgettable practice on wednesday uh what did you think of jamar's jamar chase's practice on wednesday i don't know if it was unforgettable he had a really good catch on a back shoulder throw a one-handed catch is there i mean is there anyone that could have a practice that you would deem unforgettable um uh, who was the guy from a few years? Damon Willis had a couple of unforgettable practices, the undrafted rookie free agent, which led him to starting Zach Taylor's first game as a head coach. But then, unfortunately for Damon Willis, his career was kind of unforgettable. I, I didn't think it was an unforgettable practice. I thought it was a good practice. I mean, he he, he does he makes plays. Um, but also, there was a couple of balls that were 50-50 balls thrown to him where cornerbacks got the best of him, too. And that's kind of the way the league is. Uh, the one-handed catch was spectacular. I'm not going to downplay that thing. That thing was absurdly, absurdly good. But I don't know about another worldly practice. It does seem like I mean, we're compared to last year where the whole narrative was he's dropping all these balls and did the Bengals make a big mistake? And obviously looking back, that was silly now, but it does seem like every report coming out of camp is that 
man, Jamar Chase looks great. Yeah, he does. And all of that, which is is good to see. It doesn't seem like he's a guy who had a crazy good rookie year and is now resting on those accomplishments. It seems like he had a great offseason and came in very focused and in great shape. Yeah, one of my favorite reps in camp was actually Monday involving him where um, Brandon Allen, Shadobi uh, Awuzie had him covered. It, I watched them. I kind of isolated myself just watching them. And Awuzie had the route mirrored. He had it perfectly covered. Uh, it was kind of just a little he was he was a stop route where he just kind of pivoted towards the sideline didn't really make a cut he kind of made a reverse inside pivot to the sideline for a back shoulder throw the coverage was great the route was great the pass was great it was completed and so you're like well how great was it good co-? i mean it was three guys all doing their jobs perfectly and unfortunately for Jadobi Wuzier on that rep um Jamar Chase won it cuz Wuzier's had a great camp too he's been absurdly good all all three corners honestly Eli Apple's had a great camp they've all been really good Mike Hilton too and actually Allen George and undrafted rookie free agents had a great camp Cam Taylor Britt had a bad day and came back with two great days he made a heck of a play on Monday um they were they were doing uh trying to make a first down they haven't done a lot of this called drive the ball so it was a third and about three. They were coming off their goal line. They're at about their own, I don't know, 12, something like that. Third and three. They tried to run a jet sweep to Trent Taylor, and it was play was running away from me. It looked like I thought for a second he was going to get the corner. Cam Taylor-Brick came out of nowhere and tagged him, would have tackled him in all essence, for a five-yard loss. It was a brilliant play the kid made. He diagnosed it fast, came downhill fast. So the corners, I think, are having good camps for the most part. It does seem like I've been reading Eli Apple's name a lot in a positive manner, not because he's getting yeah. burnt left and right or anything. Yeah, I mean, he and Chase early in camp were having some good tussles, and Chase got the best of him sometimes, and Eli got the best of Chase a couple of times. Probably helps those defensive backs a little bit that they got Brandon Allen out there instead of Joe Burrow. Well, and I'll tell you, Brandon stunk early in camp, and it was terrible. I talked to him a little bit the other day, and he, I said on a scale of 1 to 10 from when camp started, the fact you're working with the ones, how much better do you feel? He goes, I feel like a 10 now. He, and he look he looks like a like a guy like you can try. You know, early in camp, I'd have said, boy, if Joe gets hurt. And again, it is a huge drop-off. Don't get me wrong. But I would have thought, oh, you got no chance. He this may be a huge benefit if something happens to Joe Burrow that we're gonna look back and go, you know what? It sucks that Joe's missed a couple of games, but boy, Brandon stepped in well, and you can go back to training camp when he got a bunch of reps with the one and was able to get on the page with with all those guys. All right, the Bengals will play their first preseason game tomorrow night. We're recording this on Thursday morning. So Friday night. 7.30 p.m., a game you can see on Local 12. Uh, Skinny, are, are preseason games worth watching at all, in your opinion? Do you find well, anything from them? This will actually be up about the time people will hopefully listen to this podcast. Certainly, uh, if they're listening to this on a Friday, it would be up. I'm going to write five things worth watching in, in the game. And, and usually I would say no. Um, but in this case, I think there are five things worth, worth watching. The punter battle is certainly worth watching. They're going to rotate punters. Um, Drew Christman, honestly, in the things that we've seen in camp, I think has outkicked Kevin Huber to this point. But it's not live. There's no bullets flying. There's no real rush. You know, all of those things. So let's see what they do in a game. Um, the punt returner battle. Kwame Lasseter's looked great as a wide receiver. Um, and now he needs to show if he can be the main punt returner. And I, I talked to Darren Simmons a little bit after practice yesterday, and he said he was going to rotate his punt returners through. And he's probably got four of them he's going to rotate through. But I asked, I said, you know, you know, you, you even mentioned, Darren, that Kwame's going to make this team. If he's going to make it, it's going to be as a punt returner. I said, but how much do you weigh that he's looking pretty good as a wide receiver? And he said, yeah, we we may end up skewing some things his way a little bit. So I'm, I'm interested in, in that. Obviously, the Jackson Carmen situation at left guard, it is, in my mind, his job to lose. And now in games, we'll see, does he keep it or does he wind up losing it? Um, I'm looking forward to seeing Joseph Osai. We barely saw him last yeah. preseason. What we saw was great. Um, Luana Rumo's 
talked about, you know, he wants to see a lot of him in this preseason. Zach tamped that down a little bit yesterday, saying he'd probably play a little bit, not a ton. But I'm looking forward to, to, to seeing um, Joseph Osai play. And, and I'm looking forward to seeing all the rookies. I want to see what Dax Hill looks like in a game situation, what Cam Taylor Britt looks like in a game situation, what Cordell Volson looks like. I'll tell you, seventh-round pick Jeff Gunter, the defensive end, has looked great with a little bit of a chippiness he plays with. So I'm looking forward to all the draft picks. So I just gave you my five things. So that's at least five to look forward to when really you're not even going to get a chance to see the Stars play. If you have a new quarterback or you have a quarterback battle where the eventual starter is going to play actual snaps during your preseason, that can make a preseason worth watching. Or the second way, I think, is kind of more where the Bengals are at now, which is if you have a really good team and you expect to be in the playoffs and you are seriously interested in a few key backups or one or two key position battles that are going to make a a fairly big difference in you filling out your roster, I think it becomes a little bit more interesting to watch a preseason game. And like the Andy Dalton era was trash for preseason because you knew who the quarterback was. There was no excitement there. I mean, they weren't bringing in like a young rookie at quarterback. So, okay. Yeah. You might see a receiver play a few snaps that you drafted that year. You might see a defensive back or offensive lineman that they drafted first, but it just isn't enough to really make you want to sit down and watch a preseason game. But in this Bengals case, I think Joseph Asai, I've talked about him before. He's my guy. I saw all of like 10 snaps of this guy play, but I just love, what he showed last year early on before he got hurt. And I I can't wait to see him on the field. The other guy that you didn't mention that I don't know how much he'll play, but they've talked about him a little bit this preseason is Chris Evans. Yeah. And that's a good one too. I I think you won't, you won't see Mixon, you won't see probably Samaj P Ryan. So I think you'll see a lot of Chris Evans and a lot of Travion Williams. And then they've got a couple of undrafted guys that will probably fill it out. But yeah, I I think you'll see a good chunk of Chris Evans. Um, I I think he could be special. Yeah. In a three down role to see, um, you know, he did really good in a, in a short yardage running period where he's not really built to be a short yardage back, but I thought he actually did a really good job. He made a really good cutback on a play to turn what would have been a you know a first down into a long gainer. Um, but, you know, can he handle that? Can he handle pass blocking? Can he handle something in a three down roll that makes you think, can he push for, for a main backup spot? So, yeah, that, that's one, too. That kind of barely missed my cut a little bit. Um, but, yeah, that's certainly worth watching as well. Yeah, if I'm ranking the specific guys, that that would be one and two, Asai and Chris Evans. I would say three would be Cordell Volson, which goes to the Jackson Carmen thing you mentioned. Those two battling it out there. And then four and five, I would round it out with Dax Hill and Cam Taylor Britt. I just want to see what those guys look at look like while they're getting a fair amount of snaps, I would assume. See, I'm just a nerd. I like that the punter battle intrigues me. Well, I mean, that's it's that's not bad either. And certainly the returners are even more interesting, right. in my opinion. I to me, I just think. At this point, you you better be so obviously better than Kevin Huber to not only replace him as the punter, but replace him as the holder for Money Mac. Yeah, not to be a Debbie Downer for Kevin Huber, Drew Chrisman, I think in, in what we've seen, we don't see them do all their things. They go to a side field sometimes where they do it on their own with, with Darren. We don't see it all. We see it in sometimes the periods. I mean, Drew's got a monster leg. He had a 70-yarder yesterday. He had a couple of 60s. Now he can occasionally hit the shank job. Kevin really hasn't hit it very well so far. So, I, I mean, at least in camp, there is a noticeable difference. But I think you're right. It's got to be noticeable when game games are different. And that's the same thing for punt returners. I, you know, talking to Darren, he's, he's like, yeah, I mean, the one thing I can see these guys can do is they can catch. And I can see that, 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 you know, they can figure out a way to set up blocks. But let's face it. He goes, Alex Erickson made this team because of the punt return for a touchdown against Minnesota. He showed he had some elusiveness to him. We thought he could catch the ball. 
that game kind of opened our eyes to him and voila, he became the punt returner for a few years. So these guys have to do it in those circumstances. Yeah. They, I mean, they've got to figure out some returner stuff too, both kick returner and punt returner. Yeah. I think Chris Evans is going to probably lean to, unless he, unless he becomes a, you know, something happens to mix him where he becomes more of an every down back. I, I think, I think that's a great role for Chris Evans and then to get him some more, a handful more snaps on offense. All right, Skinny, before we switch gears out of the, the football track, do you have any thoughts on the college football top 25 coaches poll that came out this week? Alabama was one, Ohio State two, Georgia three, Clemson four. We also had Kentucky was 21 and UC was 22 back-to-back. Yeah, where was Arkansas? Was Arkansas 23 or was Arkansas ahead of UC barely? Arkansas was 23 right behind Cincinnati. Yeah, that's, that's, that, that sets up obviously for a heck of an opener, which it was going to be anyway, but it gives a little more intrigue. Yeah, I think Kentucky is egregiously too too low. I think they should be, or actually too high. They should be much lower. They should be probably top 10. I say that with tongue in cheek. Um, I'm glad to see them ranked. I'm obviously glad. to. I, I think the UC thing is a respect thing, because let's not forget what all they lost. I think they've got a lot coming back, and we talked about when we did some over-under win totals. We love their over nine, right? I think it's it yeah. feels like a maximum of one loss inside the league, and Maybe this loss to Arkansas, and at most a loss to Indiana. There's, there's, you know, the nine wins to get us to a push. We both, I think, are pretty bullish. But I think there's also a little respect there that, as much as they lost, when Luke Fickle might know what he's got coming back, and here in Cincinnati we might know what they've got coming back, and the addition of a Corey Kiner from an LSU. Um, the rest of the country sees them lose the number four overall pick, their starting quarterback, their four-year starting quarterback, a wide receiver to the draft, a couple of defensive linemen to the draft. Um, and, and, and normally for a, a non-power five team, that would probably kick you out of the top 25. So I think that was good to see you see get ranked in that coach's poll. I'm going to guess they'll probably be somewhere there in the AP poll when that comes out here soon. I was wondering where Cincinnati was going to be. And like, you look at some of the other teams around them, you go, okay. I mean, that, I guess it makes sense. I, I don't, I don't think I expected them to be top 25 coming into the year though, if I'm being honest. Uh, yeah, and that's, I think that's my point is I think it shows there's a little respect there of, Hey, yeah. these guys seem to know what they're doing. It'd be kind of a slap in the face to take a college football playoff team, despite their losses and kick them out of the top 25 completely. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think it is just some respect being shown that, Hey, if nothing else, Luke fickle, we have a lot of trust in him and he's going to figure this thing out and he has enough talent coming up behind these guys. So it's definitely a respect thing there. Who, who do you like better coming into the season, Kentucky or Cincinnati with them being ranked one spot away from each other. I mean, it's basically saying they're about the same to start the season. Do you think one's better than the other? Yeah, that's a great question, Rick. I I, I got to see the quarterback situation at Cincinnati. Um, that's the reason I would have UK ahead, just because Will Levis yeah. is such a sure thing. Yeah, but 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 Kentucky's built a lot of its offensive success on that on that big blue wall, the offensive line, and that's for the first time in a while they've got a chunk of guys to replace there. They've done a really good job in recruiting with it. Um, you know, they got a good chunk of defense back. I think it's got a chance to be a really good team. The, the, uh, at the SEC media days, they got picked second in the SEC East behind Georgia. That's not exactly chopped liver to be, to be picked again, second in the East. So I'm going to say on paper, probably Kentucky. Um, but again, I, I'm not putting anything past what Luke Fickle has done in, in, in garnering talent and the way they coach. I'm just not. Texas was 18 in the poll, which isn't a huge deal in itself. They were also one of the few teams to receive a first place vote. They received one first place vote, which obviously gave them a nice boost in the poll. Right. Who in the heck do you think gave them that vote, Skinny, out of the coaches? That's a good question. That, that's that got to be somebody somebody inside the league 
putting some pressure on them as they as they as they play their last season in the league, right? I think it's somebody else. Who do you think? Lincoln Riley? Nope. Mac you know, Bra- Mac you know, Brown. Do you know who they play in week two? I do not off the top of my head, so this will be good. So th- this will probably answer my question. Go ahead. They welcome Alabama in week two. Uh, a, a good old Nick Saban. Hey, they got a first place vote, guys. Look at him. <laughs> exactly right. That's exactly what's going on here, right? Plus, it's just hilarious. Of <laughs> that's like, a great call. Oh, you guys think you're SEC now? Okay, let's go, boys. Uh, that's funny. I didn't. I, didn't, I did not notice that. that. I have a feeling that's exactly what's going on here, that's and it'd great. be hilarious if that's it. Too. No, that would be great. You're right. Yeah. They were one of four teams to get a first place vote. Alabama got 54 of them. Ohio State got five. Georgia got six. And Texas got one. <laughs> Ridiculous. And, like, and Texas got one. Yeah. yeah, I think the other thing, too, especially with, with probably if you get outside the top five to ten teams and maybe even outside the top couple of teams, the impact of the transfer portal is just so hard to predict. It's huge. Yeah, I mean, really, once you get like, I mean, I think we expect Clemson to have a really nice bounce back year, and I understand why they're fourth, but you could almost say after Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia, it it starts to get jumbled up there. It does. Yeah, I I'm, agree. I'm not hugely confident in Clemson or Notre Dame. I think they're both going to be good, but Clemson, Notre Dame, Michigan, right there in a row, it's like, uh, where? How do remember, you remember a month? Remember a month ago or six weeks ago, we had some early lines for Week One college football games that we kind of talked about. Yeah. And Notre Dame was what a 14 point dog to Ohio State? Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and they're, they're three spots away in the poll. Right, right. Yeah. All right, let's switch gears here. The Reds will take on the Chicago Cubs tonight. That's Thursday night at the Field of Dreams in Dyersville, Iowa. This podcast falls at a bad time, being that it's the day of the game. But given the situation the Reds are in right now, Skinny, how interested in this game are you? Scale of one to five for me. Um, one being good or one being one not being interested. not interested at all, not going to watch, don't care at all. Five being you're super excited. Well, I'm probably not going to watch it all because I have to do a football scrimmage tonight, broadcast a football scrimmage. But if I was at home, I think I'd put it on a scale of two. I, I just, I mean, the, last year was cool because it was the first time and, and it was a novelty and it was, I, I thought the idea was good. And maybe moving forward, this idea is great because you're going to rotate teams. And I love the movie. I think we've talked. I'm. It's probably my favorite. It's one of the few movies I cry at. Um, I love the movie. I like the concept of the movie. But it just it, honestly, it doesn't really move the needle for me that much. It's just a another baseball game between two bad teams in a cornfield. Yeah, I'm. A, I'm a two as well. I'd say I'm going to watch it, but that's that's about the extent of my excitement. I'd say I, I think it's. I think it'd be fun to play there. It looks like it'd be very enjoyable to go there and, and play a game there. And especially if you're a major league player, just breaking up the monotony of the season and going to the places you always go to. Doing well, especially something for these two. Yeah. Especially for these two teams that have literally nothing to play for. Right. And so for, from that perspective, I think the players probably enjoy it. And I think it does look cool on TV. I remember watching the one last year where there were some really interesting shots that they were able to do. And the home runs look neat going into the, the corn stalks and all of that. So yeah, I'll watch it, but, I, I do think the amount of excitement about this thing is a bit silly. It's like, I mean, it's like the first, the first time they played an NHL game outdoors, I thought this is pretty cool. And then after a while, I was like, this is stupid because the <laughs> ice gets mushy and it just, you're far away. You can't see, you know, they, the college game on the aircraft carrier was, was okay. Once I don't need to see it any more times than that. Um, just honestly, just played in a regular venue. So based on what you said just a few seconds ago, I think I already know your answer and we're going to disagree here, but Jed sent this in for asking anything. I'll ask you now, 
is the movie Field of Dreams itself one overrated, two underrated, or three properly rated? I think it's properly rated. I'm I, I, I again I think the concept of the story is 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 interesting and it does touch it does touch at the base of a father and son relationship. Um and you know, my father and I bonded through sports. Um he coached me when I was in little league. And so it it, it hit the, the, the scene at the end, the first time I saw it, um, you know, now I know it's coming and I still tear up. Um, the first time I saw it, I bawled like a baby. I mean, that's my father and I, it, it just is what it is. Yeah, I get it. It's sappy and it's, it's not a bad movie. I, I don't dislike it, but um, it, it's not like Hoosiers where I really think it's a crappy movie and I don't understand it at all. But oh, man, Ollie with the underhand free throws. Come on now. I would still say this is a little overrated. I just I don't I don't like the hokey movie thing as much as other people do. I don't get into that quite as much. I I would not be excited to go to Dyersville, Iowa to visit this field just because it was part of a movie. Yeah, no, I, I'll give you that part. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on all of that. I But the movie itself. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, and you know me. I'm far from a sappy human being. by any Stretch. I told you. Right. I've cried only a couple of movies in my life, and this is one of them. Yeah, the only way I'm crying through a movie is if uh, a dog dies. Um, don't don't go see Old Yeller then. <laughs> I'm not going to. I've had some bad spoilers about that movie already, so I know what happens. Uh, Sandy, what do you think of the 1919 throwbacks the Reds are wearing? Did you see yeah, those? That, I will say that part I do like. I, I love I love the occasional tinge to history. I don't like some of those goofy colored uniforms that teams are wearing. Like the Padres wore that outlandish thing last week that yeah, looked like they were playing for the Hawaii Islanders. But I do like the occasional throwback nostalgic uniform. The Reds are wearing the 1919 one, and the Cubs are wearing one from 1929. The Cubs I, I are like way that. better, though. Yeah, yes, the, yes. Those jerseys, like the cream-colored with the navy blue hat and the, the little bear logo on yep. it. Yeah, that those are strong. The Reds are okay. The pinstripes, the white with the navy pinstripes. Yeah, I just like the homage to that team. It's a World Series champion team. It's obviously part of the Black Sox scandal team, but I, 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 like, I, I like that on occasion. I, that's one thing I do like. All right, let's switch over to some college basketball talk. We got a couple college basketball topics here today. Uh, first of all, Kentucky's basketball team is currently in the Bahamas playing one of those summer events that college teams are allowed to do once every four years. The Wildcats got off to a strong start Wednesday night as they beat the Dominican Republic Select team 108-56 to in the first of four preseason games this week for the program. Next game will be Thursday night tonight at 7 p.m. on the SEC Network. Skinny, the starting lineup for UK last night was Severe Wheeler, Antonio Reeves, the Illinois State transfer, yep. Jacob Toppin, Damian Collins, and Oscar Shibway. Any surprises there? Or do you just look at it as uh, it's your first preseason Bahamas trip game? It really doesn't mean anything at all. Yeah, first first Bahama Bahama game to me. It just it it, it is what it is. Um, I, I'm going to guess that's probably Cal to some degree. Guys that have done the right things in practice. Um, I don't know if Damian Collins is a starter long term. Maybe he is. I mean, I've heard I've heard nothing but good things about Jacob Toppin and how he's expanded his game. Um, you know, Severe Wheeler is your point guard coming into the year. Um, the Illinois State transfer is probably at, at worst a rotational wing two guy, and he got the start maybe because again he's doing the right things in practice. Shibway is is obviously your your main guy there. So yeah, I I don't read much into that, um, and I certainly don't read anything into the score. I mean, how select can the Dominican Republic team be for? <laughs> There ain't a lot to select from, probably. So, yeah, yeah, they weren't good. Yeah, so I mean, there there is that. Uh, I think the interesting thing is the is the NIL money that Shibway's making off off of this. How about that? Five hundred thousand. Yeah. This week while they're down there, and the reason he has to for do what, it four all days, for four days of work, right? 
Right. And, and the reason he has to do it while they're out of the country is because the student visa, visa laws right. don't allow you to make money off NIL while you're in the States. So, what I mean, it's again, this is a our country's laws situation. It's not an NCAA thing. So I, I don't understand how the law works that he's not allowed to do it while he's in the country. But if he leaves the country for a couple of days, he can make 500000 That seems pretty silly. Good for him to cash in, though. Yeah, exactly. Make the money kick. I mean, if anyone deserves it, it's him. He is the face of Kentucky basketball for the last two years. He is in some ways the face of college basketball going into this year. Uh, he he has definitely earned that payday. And, and it's pretty cool that he's able to knock all this stuff out during the seven day trip. So yeah, Rick, the, the, the interesting part to me of this is, and it's not going to be very many, but it's going to be guys like Oscar Shibway who are probably borderline NBA guys. I'm not telling you he's not going to play in the NBA one day and maybe not have six. I don't know that, I, but he's a borderline NBA guy. I think we can agree on that part of it. Right. Um, that guy who decides, all right, do I want to kick around in the G league NBA 10 day contract, all that stuff? Or do I want to make, a mil, two mil while I'm still in college and be knowing I'm getting that kind of money instead of worrying about my, my 10 day contract. I mean, if you're a first round pick, it's guaranteed and all that. I, I get that part of it, but I, I do wonder if it's going to let those or make those uh, or let those borderline who are really good college players who can get the NIL money a Shibway can get. And again, oh, it's probably only going to be a handful of guys that it keeps them in college longer than what it normally would have. Yeah, I think that's definitely going to happen. There are going to be guys that just look at it and say, if I'm guaranteed a million dollars or $1.5 million to stay in college an extra year, I'm going to go ahead and take that opportunity. And especially if it's a guy like Oscar Shipway, who the NBA has kind of passed his position type by. I'm not saying he can't play there, but the, the bruising center who is just a – big under the rim presence to to block some shots and rebound. There aren't a ton of those guys succeeding at a high level in the NBA. Right. So yeah, I mean, he is a huge star here. And if you're at a place like Kentucky, you can make a really, really good living for a year or two now with the NIL situation. So I think you're definitely going to see some more guys staying longer as a result of, of that for, for sure. In terms of other Takeaways, I don't know how much of this you saw on the SEC network last night, but I, I did think Antonio Reeves made shots from the outside, which is exactly why they brought him in. He looked good in his first appearance with UK. Uh, CJ Frederick was the only scholarship player who didn't score, but it looks like they still have him on a minutes restriction. He, yeah. he didn't come in yeah. until the 552 mark of the first half, and uh, I think he only played like 10 or 12 minutes total. So I don't think you could really read much into that, but uh, you mentioned Damian Collins. He was pretty darn impressive in this. He had 15 points, five rebounds, five assists, a couple of blocks, and a steal. And he had two highlight reel sports center top one play of the night dunks. How, how did Shaden Sharp play? Oh, wait, sorry. Still has not entered a game yet for the Cats, believe it or not. <laughs> sorry, that hits home. My, my fault. Uh, the other college basketball story that we had was Xavier over the weekend. They landed a commitment from 2023 four. point guard Trey Green out of North Carolina. Four star, is that right? Yeah, four star. He's only five foot ten, but he can shoot it from the outside at a high clip. He was named MVP of the Nike Peach Jam a few weeks ago. Any thoughts on the first commitment of the Sean Miller era? Well, I, I actually talked to you about him, and, and you talked about how he pulls from deep. I love, I love that pull from deep guy. I, those guys are fun to watch, and and if he, 
if, if you have to go out and guard a guy like that at five foot 10, I'm going to guess if you're a four star, you got some hops or you got some quickness and, and some handle to go with it. Um, it sounds like it's going to be at the very least a fun kid to watch. Yeah, that's a really good way to describe him as fun to watch it. I don't think I'm alone in saying this. He's the best shooter in the country in that recruiting class, in my opinion. I mean, he was the only guy in the Nike EYBL, which is far and away the most talented circuit right now with Under Armour and Adidas being down. He was the only guy who shot over 40% from three on any type of volume. I mean, he he had the fifth most attempts at 100 and I think 37 attempts or 147 attempts, something like that, over 26 games and shot 41.2%, I think it was. There wasn't anyone else even close to that that had those types of attempts up. So, And, that, um, and that's probably not with the structure of kickouts and people doubling down to give it more. I'm going to guess it's probably some pretty closely guarded looks he has to take. Right. You're in a freestyle AAU type setting. Now, his coach is very – his coach – uh, for Mocan Elite, which was the AAU team he played for, was also his coach at his prep school, Link Academy. Okay, And that same guy just got an assistant coaching job at Kansas State a few weeks ago after the Peach Jam, after he won it all. So they were a little more structured than some AAU teams, and they certainly ran some sets for him to, to free him up. But, I mean, anytime you're in an uh, AAU setting, it's you know how it is. It's a little oh, yeah. more up and down and freestyle. And the thing about him is he's shooting him off the dribble. He's shooting him off balance. He's shooting him from 28 feet. I mean, he's he's got unlimited range, so I think he is the best shooter in the country. And like I said, there are plenty of other people I think would back me up on that in terms of national scouts. Uh, from a Xavier perspective, though, I think it's really important for them to they they added a guy named Cam Craft in this re- last year's recruiting class, who's going to be available to them this year. Um, and he was a, a really talented shooter and shot maker. And then you add this guy Trey Green in the 2023 class; they had to upgrade their shooting. In my opinion, that was the one thing roster construction-wise that Travis Steele never got right during his four years. Yeah, that's right. That, that I think he figured that out, and that's why he recruited Cam Craft last year. And then he he decided to stay once Sean Miller got the job. But p- stacking those two guys in back-to-back classes, in my opinion, is going to be really important for turning this thing around. Sounds like a mini Steph Curry. I, I mean, in some ways, if you're if you're asking about the style. <laughs> Right. So, so one of my board said that exact same thing. They said, so it sounds like he's Steph Curry. And I was like, yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly who he is, is Steph Curry. Listen, at this stage of the game, we didn't know who the hell Steph Curry was. Uh, a fair point. A fair point, I guess. Uh, I mean, honestly, though, for Xavier, the last time they really had a guy that could knock down a jumper at the point guard position, who was an actual threat. I mean, Edmund Sumner had a little bit of that in him. Stan, never- Stan Kimbrough. <laughs> Well, that's going back a ways, but he, he could do it. Um, D Davis yeah. wasn't a guy you ever got scared of. But he, he, he always he had, he had such a funky style that I didn't like it. Yeah, he, he made some shots. I mean, he didn't shoot a poor percentage, but he was never a guy that was like, you were worried about D Davis going off unless you were Cincinnati. He won shootout. the shootout the one year, though, didn't he, basically? The D Davis game, he, won, he hit five threes yeah. at UC. Yeah. Um, but I think I think you go back 10 years to, to Holloway and Mark Lyons, right? Yeah, there you go. Okay. So I, it's it's something that they've been noticeably lacking, I'd say, especially in the Big East, where you've got these, you know, the R.J. Coles and Jared Bynum's and all the Villanova guards that that we've seen over the years. It just feels like a lot of other teams have had that guy that can stick a dagger on you if you go underneath the screen. And Xavier just hasn't had it in so long. So, so you don't want to go back to Stan Kimbrough? Uh, actually, that was the the first name my dad brought up when he heard that this guy committed. So there you go. There yeah. you go. All right, let's get into some Ask Skinny Anything here. We've got a handful of questions. We'll start with an easy one here, Skinny. 
What's your favorite football game day food? And what's the best atmosphere other than at the game to catch a Bengals game? All right, so, so favorite food, like in the press box food, is he asking, or just in general? No, I think he means like if you're going to a party or something like that or eating by yourself on the watching football all day. Um, People do a lot of that because you're usually working. But. I was going to say, because I am a big, big, I don't know why I'm a big Bengals press box bacon guy. I, it's you just love big, the crispy bacon. I do remember it's, that. It's, yeah. my fa- it's, it's far and away my, my favorite. You know, it's funny. I'm not a huge, if I'm like this year, because the Bengals play some primetime games, I'm going to have some Sundays at home just kind of sitting around uh, getting a chance to just watch football and soak it in, which I haven't had in recent years because they've been playing every game Sunday at one o'clock. Um, and you know what's funny? I really, I'm not a big football snack guy. I guess it would be, I just pop some popcorn and that would be about it. If I'm at the game, when I was a kid at the game, it was a tradition. I would always get two hot dogs when I'd go with my dad. That was kind of it for me. I was, that that just seemed the easy thing to do. Uh, I'm not a fancy, I'm, I've never been a big tailgate guy. I'm always a dip guy. I know you are. I know any, you are. Any type of dip I can get situated with. Uh, what's the best atmosphere in your opinion, other than at the game? Um. Man, I haven't gone as a fan in so long. <laughs> really, yeah, I know, I've got a good friend of mine that you know as well. He 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 always tells me what's on the menu for the tailgate, and he gets there at eight o'clock, eight thirty, and and uh, get gets a little buzz on. Does not drink in the game because he's he doesn't want to pay for it. I mean, I, I if listen, I, I know the people that have been tailgating together for a long time, and, and I pass them a lot from where we we parked to where we walked to go in the stadium. I see people tailgating, and I do think it is pretty cool that you get your group that you've been tailgating with for a long time. Um, I know his group is probably 30 to 40 deep by now that they tailgate with. And I think it is a, it is a pretty cool environment for, for you as a fan. I just, I've been so far removed from that. It's hard for me to say, I, I know I've gone to a couple of Kentucky games and enjoyed hanging out in, in some tailgate parties that I've been with, um, just shooting the breeze and having a couple beers before going in, you know, I've, I've enjoyed that, but um, yeah, I just, I'm so far removed from it, Rick. It's hard for me to answer that. Well, yeah. To, well, to answer this question, it would be at your house. Well, no, I mean, if, no. If I, you had the option, the best atmosphere to watch an NFL game. It no, would no, be no doubt about it. I, I, yeah, I, 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 I know. Especially now with the Bengals, people want to be a part of it and go. I'm just that ilk. If you give me a choice between, if you want to pay for my my Sunday ticket package and say you can watch games on Sunday ticket versus, uh, I'll give you season tickets which are worth more. I would take the Sunday ticket package. I just, I just, I. It's just, it's too much. Yeah, you go the multiple TV setup. You've got. The, we, we talk about it all the time, the free beer and food in your house, or at least cheap, I guess you should say. You can have a friend or two over if you really want to, and you want to have that uh, cheering aspect, and you want to celebrate touchdowns or whatever with somebody, you can do that at your house. So I would probably go house. The only other one that I would throw out there is I do enjoy, with the gambling being legalized in Indiana, going over to that Wings and Rings right off the exit. They've got a big you know, setup with the TV. They do. It's, I love that place. Yeah. Because most of the people over there are doing the exact same thing. Sure. They're gambling on games, so you're sweating bets out with a big what becomes a sports bar, you know. So that, speaking of ga- speaking of gambling, and we didn't have a gambling segment, but did you did you note because it was on our website and you might have been the person that put it there? I don't know. Obviously, there was a story that a lot of the the class C licenses, which are the small kiosks, um, were approved in the state of Ohio when when gambling is is legal uh, come the turn of the year. Um, and so I went to the list. Did you get a chance to look at the list at all of all the different places that are going to have these? I did, uh, in the Cincinnati spots though, I didn't really see any recognizable names of spots that I really go to other than Kroger's. 
Yeah, there was well, a bunch of croakers on the list. It's which funny because, as you know, I, I do a bunch of high school broadcasting on the side, and I've done a lot up in the Lebanon area the last couple of years. So I made note of a couple of those places. There's a couple of places where me and some buddies play golf in Oxford, and there's a couple of dive bars along the way home that actually now have them that I'm looking forward now to to going in there. It was an it was an interesting list. I couldn't believe some of the places that got these things. And you're right, Kroger's another place. I mean, hey. You, I, I need to go get two limes, huh? I'll be right back out. What, what are those slips of paper in your hand? I don't, I don't know. I you gave me a bunch of coupons. Oh, that's exa- I'm going to do it at a Kroger at some point. Absolutely. You have to. Yeah. I, that's just, it's something that needs to be experienced. Though the thing I'll say about all that is we have the apps now and, and the apps Correct. are going to be able to be used. So I don't really care where I go when I go to Ohio after January 1st. I'm going to be able to bet wherever I'm at. So I don't think, Going to a place with the kiosks are as important, but I will say there is some something about when you go to a bar that has the kiosk there, it's like, well, you don't have to have money loaded in your app or anything. You can just take that five or the 10 you got in your pocket, throw down a bet on the game you're watching at that time. And th- there's something about it that's kind of magical that I like. So, And honestly, I, I think it, you won't have to worry about too long of lines because they're limiting it to just um, spread wagers, total wagers, money line wagers, and maximum 14 parlay wagers. No player right. props, no in-game betting none of that so I, that's the only thing positive for me is the zip in zip out portion of it you you won't be stuck behind your favorite guys at the the <laughs> sports book that like to put in a 16 team parlay that they're trying to decide at yes. that moment or, or live or live betting the nba games yeah <laughs> those are your guys uh all right this came in from your guy tony pike he said what's the best podcast skinny has appeared on and why I assume this. Is, I, I assume you went on his podcast recently. Does he have a? No, podcast? actually, I went on. I went on Strawberry Ice's podcast, and we had we had an enjoyable time. He's he's a local guy that uh, put together his own podcast, and I I did enjoy it. I think that's what Tony's referring to. I believe. Um, Who is I think Strawberry Tony, Ice? He's a, just a local guy, big Bengals fan. He was at camp the whole time. I think Daner's been on there. Jay Morrison's been on there. I was on there. Emily Parker from the Bengals was was on there. Darren Simmons was on, has been on there. Um, he's he's pulled some people, so, so he's, he's a he's, Bengals guy, and he goes by Strawberry, Strawberry Ice. Ice. That's correct. That's correct. I'm I'm trying to negotiate Tony going on there next week. Okay, is that so? That's where Tony was coming from here with the yes. What's, okay. Yeah. Uh, I I I tell you what. I, I in all seriousness, too, and I I did enjoy the podcast with him. I think you've done this too. The our friend Brady Labor's podcast was enjoyable. Yeah, Brady does a nice job. I don't know uh, if he's posted a recent episode. Uh, over the last couple of months, but he, yeah, he does some good interviews on there. If it's worth, it's worth going and checking out. I think it's just called the Brady labor podcast. Yeah. The worst right? one I did was, this is probably four or five years ago, just as podcasts were kind of bubbling up. Right. And the Bengals were playing the Packers. I guess this was 16 or 17. They were playing them up in Lambeau and a green Bay Packers guy. He ran his own website. It's kind of, you know, it was, it's a fan site. I don't want to say it's a fan site. It's a, it's a website. And he asked me to come on the podcast to preview the game. I thought, yeah, no problem. 20 minutes, zip in, zip out. Well, then he says, well, you're going to have to download this app. It's going to cost you, which I did. I downloaded the app. It didn't end up costing me, which is good. But it took me a while to download the app. I'm like, I got your dad. Then, then he literally kept me for an hour and a half. <laughs> well, that's, Suffice that's it to say, if he calls again, I'm going to have to probably say thank you, but no thank you. Yeah, and that's the. Th- I mean, yeah, like you know, who am I, and what what important things do I have going on to be like that with my time? But at, at a certain point, it's like you know, you don't plan 
to be tied up for 90 minutes if someone asked you if you could do an interview. Well, and, and the worst part was honestly the guy he didn't know what he was doing. It was it was he was fumbling around. Well, that's the only way it ever gets to that point. That's really. correct. Because I mean, no one I, needs I, to I, talk to us for 90 minutes. I swear it. I think he asked a question on all 53 guys on the roster at some point. That's <laughs> that's what it felt like. Like, hey, tell me about how's Josh Tupo doing. Yeah, tell me about da da da. It was it was brutal. It was brutal. That's tough. By the way, Brady Labor's podcast is Nobody's Safe with Brady. Yeah, that's it. I want to give him a proper shout out there. Uh, This, I think, goes along with the uh, Field of Dreams talk we had before. Skinny needs to give us his top three sports movie quotes slash speeches. Hmm. Yeah, I'm. I'm, That's a tough one off the top of the head. Yeah, I'm bad at remembering that stuff. Um. The, just the locker room scene with with Kurt Russell as um, as Herb Brooks in Miracle on Ice, and I've used that in a couple of speeches. Of you don't have to beat him ten times, you don't have to beat him twice. You just got to beat him once. And I've used that speech a couple of times. I love. I, I know I don't have it verbatim, but but that speech gets to me. Um, the again the the line at the end of of Field of Dreams about. Hey, Dad, you want to have a catch? It's hard for me not to, to to get over that one. And I know you don't like Hoosiers, but when when they're in the huddle before Ollie goes to shoot the free throws and they're all kind of – the one guy's praying and Gene Hackman, the coach, just kind of slaps him on the hand and says, make it a good one, Strap. Like, make it a good prayer. I don't know why I've always liked that line. I like the uh, – remember the Titans before that last game where, you know, the – I think it. I, I'm forgetting the dude's name. It's not Bertier. It's the other. Yeah, I know guy, you're talking about yep. the leader. And he says, uh, "You know, with all due respect, coach, you asked us to to be perfect or whatever." And yeah, that was. I I'm doing it justice, obviously, right now. But <laughs> but yeah, I remember that's what that's one of those like give you chills type moments. I would say from sports. Actually, the one of the great quotes that I've used before as a coach myself but that didn't come from movie at all is a guy I know. And I think, you know, him too, but I won't shout him out here. Cause I don't want to disparage his name, but he was notoriously coaching a group of, I think it was fourth or fifth grade boys at the time. And they go into halftime and it's like a championship game or something. They're up by 15 at the half. And he looks at his guys. He says, it's not our fault. They suck. Let's bury them in the second half. <laughs> I like the other thing from miracle on ice where, where Herb Brooks has him. He's, he's mad at him. So he has him basically punishment skating, if you will, back and forth across the ice. And he's so mad because it was such a bad practice and he's trying to kind of tear him down before he builds him back up. And it is a gruesome scene. And I've done it a couple of times where I've made my assistant do it. And that's what he made his assistant do where he, he, they, they get, you could see, they, they went up and back, up and back, up and back. They think they're done. And then all of a sudden he goes again. And if they don't do it, he was just keep going. I did this once to some kids and finally my sister goes enough. I go again. And at that point I'm like, ah, oh, this is a little too barbaric. I got to stop this. Yeah. That's skinny. The hard coach coming out <laughs> again. Uh, all right. Th- th- we go from goofiness to getting a little deep and philosophical here. Uh-oh. If skinny could witness in person, any event in human history, what would it be? Note after witnessing, he gets to come back and tell everyone about it, but they may not believe him. Man, oh man. Any event in human history? Any event in human history. I, honestly, I, I hate Jesus Christ rising, I guess. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I know that sounds deep, but I mean, what? 
I'm not sure what top what what tops that. Yeah, that is that is one of those where you're going to have a pretty stark line drawn in the sand about who believes you and who doesn't. I think. you you could argue the crucifixion, but yeah, I, really I don't know. I think I'd rather be there for the miracle than the. Uh, yeah, I would. I think I would yeah. too. Yes. <laughs> Sounds yeah. like the crucifixion was a rough day from everything I read. Or yeah, you think? Or <laughs> um, I don't see, but. Everybody saw it, the landing on the moon. And I'd like to actually say I was there and it actually did happen. For those of you, the conspiracy theorists that don't believe it happened, that it was done on a studio movie lot. Do you think it did happen? I do think it happened. Okay. I don't know. So, I mean, no, it's kind of crazy. You, don't, don't tell me you're a flat earther. No, I'm too, not dude. a flat earther, but the moon landing is a little weird. I got oh, for the love of Mary. Come <laughs> on, bro. Um, how about Washington crossing the Delaware? Yeah, I don't know. It seems like a long night. Yeah, it was cold. Yeah. And it was not like a heated room you could go into either when it was over with. You you're outside with around a fire freezing your ass off. Yeah, with worn out boots and Yep. Yep. Not a lot to eat. Yeah, I don't know about that one. Yeah, I'm 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 going to stick with my original answer. Do you do you have one that I'm missing? Man, this is such a tough like just off the top of the head type thing to think of cuz like everyone's driving in their cars right now or on their walk with their dog or cutting their grass being like you idiot why wouldn't you just say this and it's like i, I don't know nothing nothing's coming to me right now i would like to this isn't one specific event when man, how about when man found fire do we want to go back there <laughs> i would i would like to go back to the roman emperor times with like like the like the like like fighting the tigers and the lions yes ooh yeah, like I don't want to be involved with it. I would just like to have seen it happen. I am roaring. I am roaring. Yeah. I am roaring. <laughs> Thanks, Spartacus. Uh, okay, <laughs> along a very similar line, if Skinny could go back in time and do one thing differently, what would it be and why? Um, I would. I would hope to be six foot nine and have a jump shot. Um, well, I mean, you couldn't have done that. That no, wasn't that, like that, a that, thing that's you that's did. A fact. That's a fact. I mean, you. I guess in theory you could maybe i, I would say for your dad you would hope he would like yeah that, marry, that's a good uh, point. no i probably would have followed my my original idea of teaching and coaching really yeah i've said that a lot to people i i, I mean that sincerely i that's how much I, I i always thought i'd enjoy coaching um and i got into it late in life just because of my career and actually i have to step away this year because the Bengals went so long last year, and I got a feeling they're going to go long this year. So I just it just killed me last season, and I'll, I'll probably get back in very soon in the next year or two, um, just because I enjoyed so much. I I, I probably would have done that. Is that breaking? Have you said that anywhere? Or do yeah, we just no, get breaking yeah, news to, on yeah, Northern Kentucky High School yeah, freshman basketball? Yep. To to we we're actually on the second replacement for me as a coach. The one guy took it, and then he got a job as the e uh, the esports coach at Thomas More. So then they had to get another guy. Wait, like video gaming? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. He, he does it at Beach when he actually won a state championship. Wow. Yeah. Tom, it's, Thomas it's, Moore moving up to D2, it, so it's going to be more competitive. Game it is. It's becoming, it's becoming a thing there. So, yeah, I, honestly, though, Rick, I think I would have done that. Interesting. I wouldn't. I would not have guessed that. And I'm not so sure that I, it, I didn't know enough at the time to understand probably being a team manager going into college coaching. That's what I was going to ask you. Would you have, would you have just stuck the high school route and no, like taught, I, or would you have tried to go college? I coaching? think I probably would have tried to do, to, to do the college route in, in retrospect, looking at it. Um, it, it is a tough nut to crack a, I do think I could have done it. I really do. Um, but I think that's the, I, I have had a couple of kids that I've coached that have wanted to do it. And that's been my suggestion of, Hey, go be a team manager and you're going to, it's going to be invaluable. You're going to get crapped on. It's going to not be a fun job. 
but it's a great inroad in, in, in my opinion, to trying to do it. And so, yeah, I, I think I probably would have done that. Again, in the year I grew up in, that was kind of not a huge thing. Um, it's become a thing. You know, it's kind of the video coordinator becomes a director of ops, becomes a on-court assistant and all that. And you, we, and I think Mick Cronin's the one that kind of did a great job of that. He was a, was a high school coach when he was in college, when he was coaching at Woodward. Hopped into the video realm of it and worked his way up through the ranks, and now look look what he's done with his career. I I think in retrospect, I, I would have I would have probably gone that route. Interesting. All right, I, I have no idea what this one means. There's a couple questions right here that are I, I don't know if they're good or bad, but uh, our our guy Dave says, could Skinny give us a summary of his forthcoming book, The Rise and Fall of the Kentucky Speedway, with a foreword written by Seg Dennison? Is, is that an inside joke that I don't know about, or? Is- <laughs> I don't think it's an inside joke. No, no. I mean, it's, it, it, it's kind of, it, it is kind of incredible. I mean, to see the rise and the fall of that, I, I'm friends with Mark Simmendinger who ran that place. Um, I knew him from his Turfway Park days, Jerry Carroll. I was, I, I knew really well. And um, Jerry was, was always, were a you and Dave involved with NASCAR somehow or what? Uh, that? I don't know. Right. Um, you know um, Tim Bray, who I see now at Bengals practices, he was the director of communications. Our guy, Mike, uh, um, uh, Mike Schmaltz, um, work down yeah. there as well. Xavier? Yep. Xavier does uh, women's play by play for Xavier and some other things. Um, so it was, it was incredible to watch it, watch, to watch the rise of it. I didn't believe it was going to come to fruition. I never believed they'd get a main NASCAR race or have that thing built. Cause Jerry was just one of those, he's one of those big dreamers, um, that does to his credit, put his money where his mouth is. I mean, he transformed Turfway park from a dump into a really good place. And then it kind of fell back into being a dump. And now it's going to be great again with, with the new building. Yeah, and he made that thing into a, to a thing down at Kentucky Speedway. Um, yeah, Seg would have to write the forward. There's no question about that. D- d- I mean, that's the only NASCAR guy around here that I know of. Do you know he of one Bobby other Schmidt. person that cares? Yeah, he's, he and Bobby Schmidt. Uh, I don't even know who Bobby Schmidt is. Is that the other guy on the show? That was the other guy on the show, yes. All right. Uh, and this is the dumbest question we've ever, and I don't want to discourage anyone no, from there's, there's, listening to our the thing show. Is, there's no dumb questions. No, I this is, a, du- a, this is a dumb question. This okay. is a dumb question. Right. Uh, I don't want to discourage people. We love our listeners. We love people that send in for asking anything. Cause without you guys, there, this segment wouldn't exist. And you know, it's great that you guys have embraced it, but this, I mean, this question is ridiculous. He said, if the FBI raided skinny's house, what's the one thing he hopes that the FBI wouldn't find? What the hell kind of question is that? You want us to snitch on ourselves? Like, first of all, we don't have anything that we don't want the FBI not to find. But if we did, why would we admit to it on this podcast? I was going to say, I'm trying to think. I don't have a whole lot of hidden secrets in my house, to my knowledge. Right. Well, and then the guy said, like, oh, I wouldn't want them to find my bourbon. I was like, why? The bourbon's not illegal, chief. What the FBI care if you have bourbon or not? Yeah, I mean, I... I I guess if I was a pot smoker in the day, it would be my pot stash, but I wasn't a and pot smoker. The FBI smoker. is not even going to care about that. No, right. No, correct. Not not today. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I'm not too fearful of that. That is just a crazy question. It's like, what the hell does he, first of all, what kind of guy does he think you are? And second of all, again, even if you were that type of guy, why would we, why would we admit to it on here? Well, as I'm sitting here next to my desk with a bunch of things piled up, um, I do have a $10 off DoorDash coupon I'm currently looking at. I hope they wouldn't find that because I'd kind of like to use it for myself. Yeah. I get, well, yeah. I mean, you know how they just love taking uh, DoorDash coupons. That's FBI is notorious. Yeah, I don't think that's a stupid question. I just, A, you're right. I'm not going to incriminate myself if I did have something. And B, I don't have anything. Yeah. I mean, I assume this is like a uh, a Trump reference thing with that going on this week, but it's like, 
one, if we're two guys who barely even know that happened, more than likely. I, I, do, I will say, I do have a bunch of uh, of coins. I'm a big change collector. I think I've talked about that before. I've got a big thing of it. And occasionally I will rummage through them to find um, hopefully a rare coin here and there. You know, my fear would be somewhere in there is a rare coin that got stolen that somehow found its way into my hands. Yeah, the, the FBI is really worried about your state quarters, for sure. You got that Colorado one? Super rare. The, the double minted Colorado. Actually, yeah, there's a double, minted, there's a double minted Wisconsin one I'm looking for, believe yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh the the final one we got sent is a throwback to when we first started this podcast and we went down a really weird rabbit hole for a while. It was before asking anything had even started. And when we would close the show looking for nonsense or stupidity, we randomly got down a ghost rabbit hole. Yes, and we did. Then it became ghosts fornicating with other people. And then people are sending us stories about ghosts and all types of stuff. So uh, we even had Paul Daner in like in studio to talk to him about a ghost story that he had from his high school years. So it was a great story. It it was a great story. It was very weird. I don't know how we ever got into that path of essentially just being ghost podcasters for a while. But this is a throwback to that. Somebody sent us this. Uh, The Waverly Hill Sanatorium. Have you ever heard of this, Skinny? I have not, but... It's in Kentucky. It opened its doors in 1910 in an attempt to contain an outbreak of tuberculosis. Okay. It's in Jefferson County, and it was was thought of as one of the most advanced hospitals in the country at the time. Uh, The site closed in 1961 and is today believed to be one of the country's most haunted locations. More than 50,000 patients are thought to have died there, according to some estimates. Oh, my. Although the conservative numbers suggest it may have been as low as 6,000. So, you know, no discrepancy there at all, 50,000 or 6,000. Yeah, that's a big gap of deaths. I like how they worded that. Uh, But one of the site's most well-known guests, and this is where we get into the the question here, I guess. One of the site's most well-known guests is a playful boy called Timmy, who is said to interact with visitors. All they have to do is roll a ball down one of the long corridors, and he will creepily roll the ball back to you. So, Skinny, if you had the option to go to this Waverly Hill Sanitarium in Kentucky and play ball with Timmy the Ghost Boy, are are you doing so? Absolutely. You have yeah. to, right? Yeah, absolutely. And 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 film it for content. Yeah, part of me would think that there's got to, that they've got some kind of mechanism on the other end of the floor that barely lifts a thing. It's kind of a their running gag. I I, I but if I could figure out if it's not a running gag, I I would probably be scared and pee my pants but i'd do it it gets darker from there they say the other ghostly residents include a nurse who hung herself in room 502 where other staff allegedly jumped out of the window to their death we'll stay out of room 502 then yeah and there's a man dressed in white that hangs around the kitchen where food can sometimes be smelt in the air now here's the goofy part about room 502 if you will do you know what the area code of louisville is 502 yeah that sounds a little little convenient doesn't it uh, you got a point there. This is in Jefferson County, isn't it? Didn't yes, I it is. Yes, yeah, correct. So that Which is would, Louisville. Yeah, that would probably be the right area code. I, 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 I'd roll the ball with Timmy for sure. I, I will tell you this, Rick. This is no luck. So I'm, I'm, I'm here alone in the house this week with just the two dogs, and one is 19 years old and deaf and blind and can't. But the other one, she's, she's last night in bed. I swear to you, I heard our gate from our steps up to the upstairs, which is. Not too far down the hall from from the bedroom. I swear I heard the gate open. She popped up in bed like she heard something. I got up and actually had something in my hand in case somebody had gotten in the house. Gate was locked. Nobody was there. But I swear to God, I heard that gate open. 
well, we've been over it before. Your your house is, is clearly haunted. And I think as for Timmy, it's a no doubt situation, especially with this podcast. If you, if someone invited you to go play ball with him and if you didn't go and film it so we could talk about it on this podcast, that's, I mean, it's very selfish of you. Quite Well, honestly. and in line with this podcast and kind of the things that we've talked about and, and been asked, you know what I'd say? Hey, Timmy, want to have a catch? <laughs> right? That's it. That's a great place to leave it. All right. Very good. That's, that's a callback, you know? That's yeah, exactly. That's what they call it in the biz. Hey, thank, thanks, for, thanks for the questions, including the one about the FBI raiding my house. Now I, I mean, what the hell was that? I, I guess I'm not fearful of that. I'm not coming to my house and getting any one. I, there's nothing really to hide. I don't have any... I don't have any classified documents in my house, for goodness sakes. But, again, I appreciate the question. Thanks for uh, listening. Thanks for the questions as well. Uh, For Rick Boring, I'm Richard Skinner. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the weekly Pope re-edition, presented by Ryan Kiefer of Prime Lending. 